I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Um, in a way I will not portray her today. She's often portrayed as the epitome of 
submissive girlhood. Um, you know me well enough. No one will do that. Um, but notice how in, in the early physiologically turbulent months of Mary's pregnancy, she journeys 70 miles from Nazareth to the Judean hill country with no sign of Joseph at her side at all, let alone a donkey to help her down the dusty road. And when she gets there, she sings a song. And in this song, she's pretty articulate about what God's doing and how that's in continuity and contrast with the ways God has worked in Israel's past up until now. And at the heart of her hymn of praise, to the God of reversal and transformation are these unforgettable words. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And at first sight, we might ask, what can she be referring to? After all, the Old Testament has no notion of holy poverty. The Old Testament, it seems, likes wealth and possessions are a blessing and power is a sign of God's favor. And so maybe she's talking about herself. Maybe this is what she's saying, I am the hungry one. And God has literally filled me up with a baby who's growing in my womb and all the powerful ones who thought God was theirs to prescribe and control are now out of luck. Or maybe she's talking about Israel. Maybe she's saying Israel is the lowly. Israel is the hungry. And the other nations are the powerful and the rich and the Savior Jesus. God is, is turning the tables and restoring the fortunes of Zion and him. Or maybe... Maybe she's showing us the truth about God. Mary's song is really a story of God. God is the mighty, the powerful, who when Jesus comes down from his throne and becomes lowly and fills the hungry with good things, and then himself lifted up first on the cross and then in the resurrection and finally in the ascension to the right hand of the Father. Maybe so. But we're reading these words in D.C. Metro America. In this D.C. Metro area, a mighty throne of the combined powers of academic knowledge and economic leverage and social influence, if ever there was one. It's easy to see why we might want to keep Mary as a sweet, submissive teenager and restrict her song to the personal, historical, and, and theological sphere only. Let there, yet there remains a, a suspicion about these words. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, and he has filled the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away empty. Could she possibly be talking about us? Maybe. Now there's... There's a conventional script when it comes to a pastor talking about wealth and power in a setting like DC Metro. A whole bunch of people will think, oh, it's wonderful, it's about time she talk about that. We're hitting the nail on the head here when we talk about wealth and power in the DC area and maybe even use the words like, this is prophetic preaching. But these reactions might just be more sophisticated versions of the same, that Mary isn't really talking about us. 
she's talking about them a little bit north of 495. She's talking about them, that lot over there, slightly north of us who've gotten more power and more money than we have. After all, I've got student loans and I have house loans and I have a hundred loans and I overdrafted last week and I have an insecure job and I haven't even had the ready cash to get to that rattle underneath my car fixed yet. And so she can't be talking about me. And then another bunch of people will think it's naive, it's intrusive, it's inappropriate. You can't just take poetic words from scripture from a first century teenager and translate them artlessly into financial and social and economic programs. I come to church for heavenly eternities, not earthly practicalities. Well, I'm not planning on following the conventional submissive teenager script today. I don't believe Mary is much interested in that script. Mary isn't, isn't talking about herself, and she's, hey, that's fun. <laughs> Somebody grab a child. <laughs> there we go. We're not going to talk about that. Mary isn't talking about herself. Mary isn't talking about Israel. She's not really even talking about God or even those wealthy, powerful people on Capitol Hill. Mary is illuminating the everlasting lordship of Jesus and the everlasting need of humanity for someone to call Lord. Mary is talking about us. To say that Jesus is the everlasting Lord from everlasting to everlasting, from alpha to omega, the beginning to the end, is to sing a song like Mary's. A song that says God's divinity has transformed all of humanity through all of the ages, economically and socially and politically, and that means that God's divinity has changed my humanity too then, personally and also economically and socially and politically for me and how I see the world. God is transforming my life from my alpha to my omega, from, from this, the way a pregnancy, like a way that a pregnancy transforms a body, making my life full of promise and, and expectation and, and joy. And that's what Mary's saying to each one of us today. Are you allowing God's divinity to transform your humanity? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to sing a song of joy and hope through you? Those are really big questions, and so I want to break them down for us today so that that everlasting Lord might set up a throne in our hearts. And so let's break it down, and I'm going to break it down into four parts of conversation. A conversation I hope you will have in a very real way over the Christmas holiday. I encourage you to have the conversation with someone, maybe you, someone with whom you feel comfortable Maybe someone um, you're looking forward to spending Christmas with. But if you're feeling a little more courageous, I encourage you to have this conversation with someone in a new space, um, someone in a different place in society than yourself, someone you'd usually be worried about offending or ignoring or not understanding. And so here are the four parts of a conversation I'm encouraging you to have this holiday season. Part one with your conversation partner say, tell me about the ways in which you are rich. 
Part two, with your conversation partner, say, tell me about the ways in which you are poor. Part three, let me tell you about the ways in which I am poor. Part four, let me tell you about the ways in which I am rich. That's it, so the whole conversation. Those are the four parts of a conversation I'm encouraging you to have this Christmas season. Of course, how you're likely to have that conversation depends on who you're having it with. It may be very different depending on who you're having it with. If the person is in desperate need, you're probably going to be starting with discovering the ways in which they are poor. If a person is in anything other than significant pain or distress or hardship, it's most likely you're going to want to begin by discovering the ways in which they're rich. And again, what you say about yourself is likely to depend on what the other person says to you. You're going to want to make human connections in that conversation. And so if what they've said about their poverty resonates with what you feel about your own poverty, you're likely to want to recognize that in the conversation. Or if you, you felt a sense of common identity and what they've said about the ways they're rich, you might want to start there. And so maybe the conversation might go a little bit like this. You'd say, tell me the ways that you are rich. Tell me about the ways in which you are rich. And your friend might say, I appreciate, I appreciate the way you see me for what I am and not for what I'm not. My childhood was really difficult, but I feel rich in the number and variety of people that my parents have brought into my life. My education wasn't very successful on paper, but I feel rich in the way I learned to read people and to, to look into their hearts. And I've never lived in a luxurious home, but I feel rich in the wonder of the birds and in their song and the dawn and its beauty and the pouring rain and its refreshment. I've never had many great talents, but I did learn to play the harmonica once, and I'd love to play you a song I made up. I never had much money, but I have a wealth of friends, and somehow, maybe because I've always tried to help people out, there's always been someone who stepped out of the shadows to help me when I couldn't manage everything myself. And then maybe you'd say, tell me about the ways in which you are poor. And your friend might say, you're probably expecting me to talk about how I can't pay the rent or I can't find a job, but the real way I feel poor is when I see a person who's a lot worse than me and I feel powerless to help them and feel... But the real way I feel poor is when I see a person who's a lot worse than, off than me and I feel powerless to help them. The real times I feel poor are when I see a newcomer to this country trying to make their way and can't speak enough of their language. I can't speak enough of their language to be of use to them. The real times I feel poor are when I think of my daughter who died when, when she was just two and I was just 19 and I miss her and with more sadness than, than I have with my whole heart. That's how I feel poor. And then maybe you would say, may I tell you about the ways in which I am poor? And your friend might say, please do. I never thought of you or someone like you to be poor. And you might say, well, my, my brother was the talented one growing up. I felt like my parents really just wanted boys. And I felt like I had to apologize all the time for being a girl. All my life, I struggled with envy and jealousy over my brother. And I've always hated my brother. And even though I've never told him it, 
and anyone would think we are best friends and I've never been able to trust that love and achievements and possessions I've had weren't just about to be snatched away from me. In some ways I have a lot, but I never really am able to enjoy what I have and I wonder if I've ever trusted anyone enough to show them who I really am. But I'm also rich. Let me tell you about how I'm rich. I've, I've always had the ability to concentrate. I can listen, I can read, I can even be silent and pray for hours and I can paint and I, I can paint watercolor and I can paint a wall and I can paint faces and I can paint anything and make, make people laugh and dance and spring to life and I find it hard to talk to and trust people but I share my heart through a paintbrush. So after you've had these four questions, when the two of you have shared your wealth and your poverty with one another in this way, you may want to, to leave it there. But you may choose to go a little further. Your friend may say to you, you've told me about how you're rich. Let me tell you how you're rich. <coughs> you're rich because you don't have to spend every waking moment of your day earning money. So you've got time to do beautiful things and walk people, um, walk with people who are in trouble. And let me tell you about how you're poor. You're poor because you've never found a way to love your brother. You're poor because you've never let anyone into your inner circle. You're poor because you don't have enough people like me around you to tell you the truth about yourself. And then ever so tentatively, you may find the courage to say to your friend, you've told me about how you're rich. Let me tell you about how you're rich. You're rich because your laugh is infectious and exciting. And you're rich because every child you ever meet loves you. And, and you're rich because you've already been through the worst that life can bring you so that you live without fear now. But you're also poor. You're poor because you've got a servant heart and no one seems to want it. And you're poor because you're deeply hungry to do something really useful for others, but you can't find a way to do it. You don't know how to do it. Questions of poverty and wealth have, have been from everlasting to everlasting, from the beginning of time to our station now. And these questions have been on the table if we're willing to ask them. They've always been on the table. And so is Mary's age-old follow-up question. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to sing a song of joy and hope through you? And so after the four questions are asked and answered, maybe this Christmas you want to take the conversation one more step further. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit, are you allowing God to sing a song of joy and hope through you? Through your poverty and through your riches, can you each see it in one another? Can you each see it in yourselves? Are you letting God turn you into Mary's song? If you have the first kind of interaction where you talk about yourselves and how you're each rich and poor, that's great. That's called a conversation. But if you have the second kind of interaction where you talk about each other, where you can share with them how you see their poverty and how you see their wealth, that's more than a conversation, that's a relationship. And poverty is this mask that we put on a person to cover up their real wealth. And wealth is a disguise we put on a person to hide their profound poverty. 
So those we call the rich are those in whom we choose to see the wealth, but are more reluctant to see the deep poverty. And those we call the poor are those in whom we choose to see the hunger and are slower to see the profound riches. And Mary tells the everlasting story of God's lordship made known in Jesus, the story that's always been on the table. But Mary was the first to ask the question and allow herself to be filled as the answer. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly and he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And turns out Mary really is talking about us. God takes that which in each of us is rich and sees through it to our poverty. And God takes our poverty and sees past it to our deepest riches. And every week here, we come before the everlasting God and enact these words before God. We think of our neighbor in person and society and global, and we think about their wealth and we smile and we sing a song like Mary's song and we call that praise. We think of our neighbor in their poverty and we pray for their well-being, and we call that intercession when we gather here. We think of ourselves and our own poverty, all the ways God is calling us to repent of our sin and seek forgiveness and reconciliation. We do that every week, and we call that confession. And we think of ourselves and our riches, of our bounty and of our blessing, and we call that thanksgiving. From everlasting to everlasting, these have always been the four parts of prayer praise, intercession, confession, thanksgiving, the riches of the world, the poverty of the world, the poverty of ourselves, and the riches of ourselves. These are the ways we make that courageous, intimate conversation a daily act, a weekly discipline, an everlasting covenant with God toward our own renewal. And so have that conversation this week. Make it the transforming moment of your Christmas, maybe. Make it the time you remember that the everlasting Lord, Christ, God the Mighty One, left his wealth and took on your poverty, that he might make you wealthy in the way he is wealthy. Make it the time you discover another's poverty and another's wealth and redefine your own wealth and your own poverty and have that sacred conversation with another person this week but also have that conversation with God every day. For that's what prayer is. Prayer is when we see God's wealth and God's poverty and bring to God our poverty and our wealth and our neighbors too. That's this daily conversation in which our friendships and our lives and our world are being transformed and it finishes like this. Everlasting Lord, turn me into Mary's song, a song for the ages. Through your Holy Spirit, sing a song of joy and hope through me. So would you pray with me now? God, our conversation partner, would you tell me about how you're poor and how you're rich? And God might respond to us, I'm poor because my heart breaks. My heart breaks for the world. My heart breaks for those who are in pain. My heart breaks for those who seem to choose their own path. When I'm laying out one that's so clearly the one to take. 
and I'm rich because you are the greatest thing I've ever created. I'm rich because it is so great to love you even when you don't love me. <coughs> and then we might say back to God, can I tell you about how I'm poor? And in the quietness of this moment, would you tell God how you're poor? But God, let me also tell you about how I'm rich. And in the quietness of this moment, would you tell God how you're rich? God, we offer praise today for the way our world has been where right has happened, where goodness has happened. We, we give thanks for Aldi. <laughs> we give thanks for Aldi this week announcing that they're going to open their doors on Christmas Eve to anyone who finds themselves vulnerable to just take what they want, to take the food they want. We give thanks for that, God. We praise you for that. We offer intercession for everyone who feels lonely this season. For everyone who this season reminds them of a great grief they can't bear. For everyone who does not have food on their table this Christmas. And for all those who will gather with families with smiles on their faces, but underneath is so much discord and conflict. And God, we confess that we do not have it all together and we are envious of our neighbors who seem to, all those out shopping this morning for Christmas presents. But we're here, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I have it ready, but I'm, I'm here because I'm, I'm seeking you, God. And we offer thanksgiving for how you show up in our lives over and over again. For this church, for my friends, for my family, for my home. And we pray together that prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.